0: Uh, Okay, so if you all know me, you know that I I love music, and um, there's this quote that I love about music. It says, music doesn't get in, music is already in. Music simply uncovers what is there, makes you feel emotions that you didn't necessarily know you had inside of you, and runs around waking them all up. And um, I'm thinking about this because this sermon series we're doing this Advent is we're we're looking at these songs that Christians sing during the Advent season, and each week we're focusing on a different song and and using that song to um, help us get at telling this story of Advent, telling the Christmas story. And so um, that word Advent, if if you're new to the to the faith or to the church. there's this season of these, these four weeks before Christmas called Advent, and that word Advent just means coming. And it's a celebration, and it's a longing for Jesus' coming. And so f- for those of us where we find ourselves now in between Jesus' comings, we're looking back and celebrating his coming uh, in the manger at Christmas And we are celebrating and longing for his promised coming when he will return again and make all things new and finish what he started and set all things right and usher his people into his kingdom forever. And we will be able to fully see, fully experience life in his kingdom the way that we were intended to live with our God. And so that's where we find ourselves is in between these two advents. And so um, what is getting stirred up in us, if if you listen to most of the Christian Christmas songs, um, if you listen to secular Christmas songs, you get all sorts of different things. Um, but most of the Christian Christmas songs, um, have this undercurrent of a longing, almost kind of a sad. I mean, it's kind of this, this underpinning of, of just longing for things to be fully set right. Even though we're celebrating that Jesus has already come, um, it's his coming again that we're so hungry for. And so, um, Here we are with the series starting, and uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is our our first song we just sang, and we are longing for Jesus to come, but uh, tonight as we look at Mary's story, we don't get to control how he comes. Um, She didn't get to control how Jesus came the first time, and as he comes every day, every moment into our lives, we don't always get, uh, we don't always expect him to come the way that he does. We certainly don't get to control it. Um, but we celebrate it and we learn to live into it because he's, he's coming to give us life. And so um, tonight as we look at this passage, um, three things I want us to look at. Uh, the first is, we'll call this question, I'm favored? The second is, how will this be? And the third is, okay, I'm in. So, uh, so I'm favored. Uh, the Lord loves the ordinary this, this intro to this scene with Mary is at once phenomenally boring and phenomenally spectacular. If you, if you read this intro to this passage, um, there's really not much exciting there. It's talking about this young woman who is insignificant, who's about to be married. She's betrothed to a man. She lives in this tiny nothing town. Nazareth, uh, Nazareth was a very insignificant tiny town in a very insignificant region, Galilee. But then you look with different eyes and you see that this is actually um, spectacular. And after all these years that God's people have waited in silence for him to speak, for him to make good on the promises that he's made to them, don't worry, don't worry, a savior is coming, my chosen one is coming, my king will reign forever. Um, Then all of a sudden this becomes amazing because we, we see that this is happening in Galilee Isaiah 9, 1 and 2 says the Messiah is going to come from Galilee. Uh, We read that she's a virgin. Isaiah 7, 14 says a virgin is the one who's going to give birth to the Messiah. Uh, And and he's in David's line. 2 Samuel 7, 16 says that David's descendant will sit on David's throne and reign over the entire world, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so we start listening with different ears, and all of a sudden this is truly amazing. And this moment that everybody has been longing and waiting for is, is about to happen. Um, but from, from Mary's perspective, uh, she's very confused, and she doesn't know what's happening. And then when she starts to figure out what's happening, she's not sure that how she feels about it. Um, Gabriel, this angel, comes and says, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And what's Mary's response? Mary's response is uh, to be troubled to be troubled, not at the presence of this angel, which we could understand because these angelic beings, a lot of times when they show up in people's lives in scripture, they are terrifying because they are so big and so powerful and so bright and holy. And uh, people just are crushed in their presence. But it says that Mary was troubled at the saying. She was troubled at the words that were coming out of the angel's mouth. And so, What's going on there? What is, she, what is she troubled with? What is she trying to figure out? I think it's two things. One is like Isaiah when he is greeted in the presence of the Lord. Um, Woe is me. Um, I'm undone. When the Lord is here through his messenger, through this holy um, being, his servant, um, are we sure that he knows who I am? And if he gets close to me, if we continue to walk down this path together, is he going to continue to feel the same way? Is he going to feel favor and grace toward me as he walks with me in this way? I think the other thing that she was feeling in her distress was she was thinking back to the people that she knew who had visits from the Lord like this. To Noah, who the Lord came in the middle of the desert and said, I want you to build an ark. And to Moses, who the Lord said, you're going to go and face Pharaoh. You're going to face the most powerful kingdom on earth, and you're going to lead my people out. Because a lot of times when the Lord shows up to people that are favored in his sight, it's very, very painful. Um, This past week, Christmas vacation happened to be on, and uh, it made me think of that scene where Clark has put all of his lights on, and there's that beautiful moment where the lights go on, and he's walking by every member of his family and just celebrating this moment with him. And then he finds himself next to Cousin Eddie. And he's like, Eddie says, how sure looks well, Clark. And he says, Eddie? He says, you surprised Clark? <laughs> like, yeah, I wouldn't be more surprised if I woke up the next morning with my head stapled to the carpet. But it's like that feeling of just... Panic when you recognize what's happening is like I'm in this moment now where the Lord is coming to me and he he is going to reveal his will to me for my life. And on one level, I know that it's good because he loves me because I am favored because he cares for me. But at the same time, when this has happened throughout history, this has not ever been easy and this has never been painless. And so this is what favor feels like favor um, to be favored by God is to be pulled closer to Him and further away from the world. It's more intimacy with Him and more alienation from the world. And that's painful because we have to live in this place. But you look at God's great tenderness and gentleness through His servant Gabriel. Um, when Mary is feeling all this, Gabriel's sort of like, uh, okay, let's try this again. Mary, don't be afraid. Let me tell you how favored you are, that the God of the universe is going to bring his Messiah to his people, to the world, through your body. Your sin-sick and broken and weak body is going to house the Savior of the world. You stand in God's grace, and that will not be undone. It will be painful, but you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because God is with you. He will continue to be with you. And all of this, this grand announcement of this grand plan comes to Mary and she's the only one who hears it. And it's not grand in the eyes of the world because nobody else even knows it's happening. And so she is going to bear the weight of this favor, of this suffering, of this love from God, of this nearness of her Savior. But he will be with her. He will give her everything she needs when she needs it. And that's who God is. That's how he is with all of us, with his people. He is near to us. And he calls us into suffering, but he will be with us. He will give us everything we need. When we cry out to him, he answers our cries. You know, just think about this night representing that fact. We are favored by God. His favor rests upon us. But we find ourselves in this place where we are wearing masks and and we're we're in this building that we're borrowing from another congregation because we don't have a place to meet. And we planted a church in the middle of this pandemic. And there are times where you're asking, are we favored by God? And the answer is yes, a resounding yes. Because we have no idea how the Lord wants to work and use this, but we do know that he is good and that he loves his people and that he is always working everything together for the good of those who love him. We are highly favored by God. So we're moving to our, our second point here. How will this be? Um, another movie that was on this past week was Doctor Strange for all Marvel fans out there. And this question of, you know, how is God going to bring something good from this? How is God going to do what he says he's going to do? This amazing plan, the Holy One, God himself, the Messiah, the Chosen One, who God has promised to come and set everything right, is going to be born in me? How is that going to happen? Um, There's this scene in the movie where um, Tilda Swinton is the one called the Ancient One, and she's having this conversation with Dr. Strange as he's being exposed to this whole new world that he didn't know existed but he's very skeptical and she says this you're a man looking at the world through a keyhole you've spent your whole life trying to widen that keyhole to see more to know more and now on hearing that it can be widened in ways that you can't imagine you reject the possibility you think you know how the world works you think that this material universe is all that there is what is real? What mysteries lie beyond the reach of your five senses? Who are you in this vast universe, Dr. Strange? We're hearing about something incredible, literally incredible, that this virgin is going to give birth to a child who is going to be the Lord's child. And so... Uh, With Dr. Strange, we have to check our knowledge and our wisdom and our understanding at the door and and to confess we don't actually know as much as we think we do regarding what's possible and what's impossible. Because the universe is strange and huge and beyond the reach of our five senses. But the Lord is drawing us in to show us more of who he is and what he's doing and how this world works and why we're here. And so in Mary's case, I just love the the beautiful humility of this young woman from a tiny town. She is confronted with this angelic being in all of his power and all of his glory. And he just reveals to her that she is gonna give birth to the savior of the world. And her first question is like, no disrespect here, but how is this going to work? Like, what is this going to involve for me? Because I know how babies are made, and I know that I'm engaged to this man over here, and uh, nothing has happened between us yet. And so is this is something going to happen with us? Is something going to happen with somebody else? That's kind of terrifying. How, how is this going to work? And again, God's tenderness uh, through his servant and the way that, that Gabriel talks to her. But what she's asking when she asks, how will this be is a question that we find ourselves asking in different ways all the time, and, and we ask it like this How will this happen with my limited understanding? How how will this be with my limited resources? How will this be with my limited abilities? How will this be with my limited holiness? how is God going to come and fulfill his promises in me and through me when I am so limited? And Gabriel says to her, the Holy Spirit will come to you. He will overshadow you. He will will be present with you. You know, in Greek mythology, uh, when when there were stories of these super beings that were born, uh, it often involves a... A Greek God coming and having relations with a human woman. And what we see here is that the God of the universe, the one true living God, does not use people like that. Um, there is no sexual connotation here. There's only God's presence with his people. And it's this word to overshadow is the word used in Genesis 1 2. And it says that the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So the same Spirit of God who's creating the world is going to come and create life in you. And this is really hard to believe. And it's really hard to believe when we hear God speak that into our lives. That I'm going to come and breathe new life into you. I'm going to come and keep my promises to my people through you. And we're so tempted to look at ourselves. I'm not holy enough. I don't know enough. I don't have the ability to do that. I've never done that before. And he says, yeah, you're looking at the wrong place. I just need you to be open to what I'm doing. And sometimes I don't even need that. Like the savior of the world is coming through Mary, whether she is open or not, it's happening. And God works like that in us too. It is not in our power. It is not in our wisdom. And Gabriel says, I know this is really hard to believe, but what's going to help you believe that is when you go see your barren relative, Elizabeth, and find that she is six months pregnant. Because this God, nothing is impossible with him. Nothing is impossible with him. Just think about that. The God who we worship, the God who created everything that we see, the God who created the spiritual realm that we don't see, came and dwelt in the womb of one of his creatures who was like us, who was weak and full of sin and lived in this mortal body, and he came and made his home inside her womb. That's amazing. But the mistake that we make is to stop there and to, to awe and, and wonder at what God did in Mary so many years ago because he does the same thing in you. He does the same thing in me. He does the same thing in all of us because what happens in Christ is that God comes and makes his home in us. In Isaiah, the, the prophet Isaiah says, apart from Jesus, um, we experience life like a pregnant woman who is in the agony of childbirth but gives birth to wind, gives birth to nothing. All of our striving, all of our straining, and all of our sin and self-centeredness just gives birth to nothing. And elsewhere, the prophet Isaiah says that all of, all of our life gives birth to evil, gives birth to sin. But in Jesus, in his holiness and his power, when the Holy Spirit comes over us and he is born in us, then our life gives birth to something very beautiful. Like Mary, our life gives birth to the Savior of the world. The Apostle Paul says that he is being born in us. Our experience in this life in Christ is the pains of childbirth with Jesus being formed in us. He is making all things new. He is redeeming everything. He is redeeming every single part, every aspect of your life and my life. He's making all things new. He's being born in us. And our sin does not make him sinful. But his sinlessness makes us holy. And so our last point here is, um, okay, I'm in. Yeah, it's like any, any great story, any great story where they're going on a quest, there's fear of what's awaiting them but at some point this character who's not ready the protagonist who's never ready who never has enough of their own resources finally says okay i'm in because i was made for this because i can't imagine not doing this because there's nothing else worth doing and that's what we see in mary's response in this last verse of our passage i love that she says behold Because the angel has said that twice, and that word is always there for, like, extra emphasis, extra attention. Like, hey, listen. Listen to this. Pay attention to this. And here we see this young girl from the middle of nowhere speaking to an angel, saying, now you listen. And she says it with great reverence and great respect, but she says, now I want you to hear this. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What is she saying there? She's saying, let's go. Let's go. Because I'm terrified. Because what this means for her is is undoubtedly she's already put the pieces together enough to know. She's not going to know how it's going to happen, but she's going to know enough at this point to say that, This means great suffering for me. And it's going to start with nobody believing that this is true and everybody thinking that I've been unfaithful to my fiancé, including him. And everyone forever is always going to wonder when they see me and see this child what the real story is. So let's just start there. This is going to mean great trouble for me and great suffering for me. But when i am confronted with the love of god and the grace of god and his presence with me there is no choice i was made for this i was made for union with god and so there is nothing else there is no other way let's go and something that mary understood in this moment this moment of clarity for her is something that i desperately need and and you desperately need help living in all the time is that her identity helped her determine how to live who is mary mary is the servant of the lord my whole purpose in life i am the servant of the lord and now in christ we are servants of the lord still but we're also sons and daughters of the lord he is our daddy He is our good father. I am the son of the God who created this whole world. And so because that's my identity, then what am I busy doing with my life? Whatever he wants done, his will is my purpose because my identity is being his. And it's amazing how much more clear life becomes and all the things that are confusing all the things that would rob us of joy and all the things that would cause deep division in our souls of all the questions that we ask what's going to happen where am I going to go what should I do the peace and the freedom that comes from knowing who you are I am a son of God I do whatever he asks me to do Because that's the whole reason I'm here. And the angel departed. If you read uh, before this passage, the angel Gabriel makes another visit to Zechariah, Elizabeth's husband. And it took him a while to get it. And the angel stayed with him and actually said, hey, okay, you didn't believe me, so you're not going to be able to talk until this baby is born. But after mary makes this confession it says the angel departed because he was satisfied he was like you know what she gets it she got it we're good my work here is done and so the question for us is do we get it is this our identity so many things compete to be our identity You know, a lot of us probably moved here with hopes of a career. This is where I'm gonna make it big, in music, in finance, and something else. And maybe things have plateaued, or maybe that never got off the ground to begin with. Or maybe we're in a place where there's this relationship that was gonna be our ticket to everything being better, or this friend group If I can just get in with this friend group and that relationship has dissolved, that friend group has disappeared and disappointed, or things change, things shift, people move, people get sick, people die, people leave us, and where are we? Where do we find ourselves? Where is our identity? When this happens, this world that we're living in in 2020, where do we go in that? You know, a, a good transition from our our last um, our last week and our last series, where we talked about uh, God's pathway to life, the the commandment to not covet, um, into this week is Jesus' statement to Peter at the end of the Gospel of John when he's when. Jesus is walking with Peter, and Peter asks, what's going to happen to the Apostle John? Yeah, there's something going on in his heart. Well, okay, well, what's going to happen with him? And what does that mean for me? And, and Jesus just lovingly stops him in his tracks, and he says, um, if it's my will that he remains till I come, if, if it's my will that he lives forever, what is that to you? You follow me. What is that to you that other people are succeeding where you're failing? What is that to you that other people are, are getting into relationships that you wish you had? What is that to you that other people seem to be more satisfied in their careers or in their families or in, in whatever? What is that to you? Because your identity is that you're my son. You're my daughter. You follow me. I will take care of you. You don't have to worry about any of that. And when you worry about that, then you walk in the way of the world. It's very hard to have peace there. It's very hard to have freedom. It's very hard to have joy. It's very hard to experience the love of God. But man, when my identity is is rooted in Jesus and, and me being a son of God, then all of a sudden, all of that stuff is a lot less threatening to me. So here's a question. What if in all of our transitions and moments that feel like failures, moments where we are, are tempted to feel deep shame or deep confusion, what if instead of playing out the scenario that we, we think we know what's gonna happen and we, as, as other Elliot and Randy talk about, a future fear forecasting, what if instead of doing that we train our minds to hear the voice of the Lord as he spoke through Gabriel here to Mary? What if in that very moment, in that very place, where you feel the lowest, where you feel like hope is lost, where you feel like you are a loser, where you feel like everything is washed up, what if in that place you heard the voice of the Lord say, hey, greetings, I'm with you, and you're favored. You're deeply loved by me. Oh, and, and nothing is impossible with me. What if this is a chapter turn that is going to start this grand adventure that you are on with the Lord? What if he is about to free you from your sin and free you from these things that have had you imprisoned, so that you can live life with him to the fullest? We're going to have a time uh, now of quiet reflection. And that's what I want us to think about. We're going to have a few minutes here where um, just ask you to, to take some time and think and just listen. And just ask the Lord, what are you saying to me in this worship service? You, you've promised that you'll speak to me when, I, when I'm here engaging with you. So what are you saying to me? Because our our lives are so noisy and it's very hard for us to take time to just be still and hear the voice of the one who says, you are favored and you are loved and I'm with you and nothing is impossible with me. And so maybe it's just thinking about what what is the idea or the theme or the word that has stood out to you as we have worshipped him tonight? And maybe he's asking you to spend some time thinking about that with him. Or maybe... um, Maybe it's this. Maybe it's thinking about the place in your life right now where you feel the most at a loss, where it feels the lowest or the darkest, and practice hearing him say that to you in that place. Hey, greetings. You're not here alone. I'm with you, and I love you, and nothing is impossible for me. Father, as we we sit with you in this time of silence, I pray that you would open our ears and our minds and our hearts, Lord, that um, nothing would be off the table with you. Lord, would you give us the gift of of hearing you speak to us and uh, continue to teach us how to listen to your voice? In Jesus' name.